On this week's Thoughts from the Shade, we'll put a bow on the college football season, and we have a call into the spot in the Shade line. We also have a special guest this week from Lulu Country Club. The Eagles locked down the number one seed in the NFC playoffs. NFL Week 18, and we'll look forward to Super Wild Card Weekend. Let's rock. Welcome back to Thoughts from the Shade, and as always, we'll remind you off the top, this episode is brought to you by our great friends at Menard Premium Detailing, located in Warminster, PA. Check them out on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, and at MenardPremiumDetailing.com, and they can also be reached at one eight three three the number 2. Menard, uh, it's Tuesday night, January 10th. The Georgia Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. Before we get to that, Bob, I know we ended last week's episode talking about some some New Year's resolutions. And as a podcast of, of accountability and full transparency, I have to say it will not be a completely dry January for your, your co-host here. Um, but it wasn't without good cause. There was cause for celebration. Uh, my mom turned 60 last week, so... I was dry for a few days, and uh, we, we went out to a nice dinner, ha- had some wine and some cocktails, and then uh, played a little bit of golf this weekend and, and uh, only had two beers after golf. So it's a dry-ish January for me, but shout out, Mom. Happy 60th. Uh, how you doing tonight, Mom? I'm doing all right. I mean, yeah, uh, obviously a little, a little disappointing. You can't uh, you know, stick to the resolution, stick to the dry January, but I got to tell you, the, the saving grace here, G., is that you were on the Bulldogs last night. Because if you were not any type of like salvage job with dry January, done. You would have been driven to drink. I don't even know if we'd see it all the Super Bowl. I haven't heard from Chip yet today. I mean, we, we, we gave out the picks. We, we gave out for the second year in a row. We're two for two in the, in the lifetime of this podcast, giving out uh, the, the winning ticket, the winning side on the national championship, two for two. But we had to have... Our boy Chip brings some juice, but uh, if only we, he had a ticket down, uh, out to California to, to bring the Horn Frogs some some juice because they 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 just came out and laid down. Yeah, and uh, at what point did I text Chip last night? I think it was like fourteen twenty left in the first quarter when I said hit each hit eject. I know we tried to warn him. He's a he, he's a he's a busy guy, and he didn't get back to us to like. 9.30 out to dinner. Um, but, you know, the Horned Frogs are more cooked than the steak he had last night, that's for sure, at that point. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I thought you might have texted him even sooner. You know, Kirby Smart on the on the sideline pregame yeah, with Holly Rowe. it might Rowe. have been. It might have been. What, what do you need to see from your team tonight? Aggression. We going to hunt. It's time to hunt. We're going to hunt. Like, and then you hear the, the the clip of the speech online, like on, on Twitter today, of the, the pregame speech in the locker room. I'm not sure if you heard it. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. A little over a minute. Uh, multiple F-bombs, multiple shits. Uh, 
pretty pretty invigorating stuff, uh, and, and you understand why they they came out and and played like they did. But I mean, what do you want to get to on the game, or what was kind of your your take? Yeah, I mean, obviously not much to get to on the game, but I you know, I I don't know if I've ever seen as thorough an ass kicking in a ranked game, let alone like national championship. Um. But, you know, as it relates to kind of like getting out of a bed early, one of the things I was thinking about, G, and I don't know if these sports books have this capability, but like we've, we've always talked about it, that, that instance where you're on a side and you immediately know within like two plays that you are totally and utterly fucked. Don't you think rather than having to like sell, because a lot of times they won't give you a cash out option, rather than having to like sell the ticket and then get back in on the other side, there's got to be a way to just like, hey, as long as this, as long as the game is tied, and you know no more than five plays have occurred, you should be able to like click a button and invert your bet. Because if that was available last night, within five plays, all of America, I think they said sixty three percent of public bets were on TCU. What are these guys watching all year? So, are you saying like a, a full refund before before the first score? Is that is that what you you're proposing? No, a bet inversion, okay. which means if you're Flip on it. TCU plus thirteen and you watch the first two plays and Dugan's under pressure, provided that the score is still the same and the line has not shifted, you know, let's say a point each way, you should be able to hit a button on your app, and the ticket for a flat fee automatically converts to Georgia minus thirteen. <laughs> I don't hate it, like, because there aren't a ton of games where, where you know right away, and, and even sometimes where you think you know right away that the game unravels differently, but but I like it, you, you, but you know everybody that was watching last night would be hitting that button immediately, so so you'd think the house would have to charge a little bit of juice, um, but yeah, maybe yeah, maybe something pre- like, a, sorry, what'd you say? Charge a premium on the big games, because all the suckers are coming in. That's that's right, man. Everybody had a bet in last night, uh, but may, maybe something like a surrender in blackjack, right? You get ha- half the bet back. You get a sixteen up against a ten or something. You, you don't have the nuts to hit a sixteen. For the record, you always hit a sixteen against a ten. It's not up for debate. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was easy to see right away how how the night was going to go. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll get we'll get to maybe the who who should have been there and conference discussions and, and things like that a, a little bit later but like I, I did kind of feel bad for for TCU I mean that was just absolutely embarrassing they they weren't getting lined up on defense and Georgia had guys running wide open down the field Bowers Lad McConkie what a name that is and these guys they're Georgia's just a couple runs they get up on the ball and the ball is snapped, and, and TCU, they're all still huddled in the middle of the field, and, and Georgia's guys run, running down the field wide open. So you, you could see very quickly that TCU wasn't going to be able to stop a nosebleed, and then just the pressure on Duggan. Like, th- there were a couple times where TCU was able to to, to run the ball, like on first down, and get, and get eight yards, but other than that, like, they, they just couldn't protect the guy. Um you know the the starting running back was out, but it, it it just didn't matter. Like nothing mattered, and and that that game was over before it started. I honestly forgot to just you know cue up the t- the topic or the segment tonight and say, hey everybody, let's talk about the national championship game last night. 
All right, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was obvious from the jump. I mean, obviously, uh, Georgia's defense came to play. I thought I was going to get a little more out of TCU's, TCU's uh, offense, but, I mean, the Georgia offense, the 12 personnel just gave that 3-3-5 fits all night. It felt like, you know, not only were they not getting lined up appropriately, the run fits were horrific all night. So now you're now you're loading the box, and then, and then you know nobody's getting any pressure. Um, I, I guess I gotta raise my hand. I thought ninety eight was a player. He got he got pretty stuffed. I mean he 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 pursued the ball all night. I mean I guess it's not all one guy, but the three three five against twelve personnel was butchered, butchered, and I have to ask like. And maybe this is an unfair question to to TCU, but how many times do you see it, G? Where you see a team? I hate this phrase. We're gonna we're gonna do what led us, you know, what got us here. We're gonna be who we are. Like who you are isn't good enough. So like Bill Belichick, you know, when they played against the Bills in the Super Bowl, and he was the defensive coordinator of the Giants, totally changed his defense. He had. You know, two linemen down. They played everything in front of them. They kind of let Thurman Thomas have a game. But, you know, they played everything in front of them. They didn't want Jim Kelly to beat them deep. And, like, you have to ask yourself, like, these college coaches, like, did TCU really think that they were going to match up last night? Like, did their coaches actually think they're going to match up? Because I just don't understand why these college coaches don't throw a curveball at a team for a first quarter and say, hey, you know what, we're – we have a different defensive look today. We're playing a 5-2. We're playing a 3-4. We're playing a 46 defense. I, you know, what, whatever the hell it is, but it seems like you need a new playbook. You would think that that would be the move. Like we talked about that last year in that in that semifinal game with Alabama and Cincinnati getting a shot. Uh, but like I, I, I don't know from from Sonny Dyke's seat. Like, does that send a message to your team that like you need a miracle to win this game? Uh, does it send the wrong message? I don't know, but it. You, you got to be real, and and, and I, I agree with you. You got to come in and sh- shake a few things up, throw throw a couple wrinkles out there. Like, yeah, doing what you did got you through the regular season. You lost the Big Twelve title game. You, you know, you, you you snuck out a twelve and zero record in the Big Twelve. But like, this is this is the Georgia Bulldogs. This is the new class of college football. It's Kirby Smart off the Saban tree. Like, you you need everything and more. To, to have a chance and it didn't look like they they really I mean even if they had schemed anything up anything different the game was over before they had a chance to get to it but I hear what you're saying yeah yeah now, now what do you think about the people that are saying TCU shouldn't have been there I, I saw some of that today some videos going viral I mean Michigan shouldn't have gotten embarrassed on, on national TV on on New Year's Eve they shouldn't have Throwing two pick sixes and came up with zero points on, on two trips inside the the TCU two yard line. They should have maybe played some defense. Um, I I don't know. It's not it's not TCU's fault that they were there. Don't you can't blame TCU, right? Like, sure they 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 definitely no. didn't look like they belong, but like it's it's not on them at all. Um, it's just it's it's it was the nature of the season. We talked about it. Alabama lost twice. Tennessee. It looked like a riser. They lose a second game to South Carolina, get blown out. USC fizzles out at the end, and Utah comes on, but Utah lost early. So 
there was really nobody else. I mean, obviously, Bama is a better football team. They put the work on Kansas State, who who was the Big 12 champion, and, and made that look easy. But, like, if, if Bama gets in, there's going to be a contingent of people that are saying, oh, they, they're just putting Bama in because of the brand, which maybe they should. But I, I – I, yeah, thought T- I thought TCU had a good year and, and earned it. They had one loss in a, in a conference championship game in overtime. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I don't think you can say like I, I I told you last night. I thought Bama probably is probably the second best team in the country. I mean, it's, I guess maybe that's a little controversial to say as it relates to Ohio State, given Georgia a heck of a game there and probably maybe wins the game if Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get knocked out. But at the same time, you know, Bama lost two games by a total of four points, both on the road, both against ranked opponents. Um, But, you know, these people that are talking about TCU didn't deserve to be there. The committee made a mistake. I mean, they're total fools. I think it's a totally disgusting thing to say. And, you know, the analogy I would use is TCU earned their way there. They earned their way into the dance. And the way their season went, and I, and I told you this earlier, it kind of felt like a team in in the NCAA basketball tournament during March Madness making a run, right? So like this Cinderella team getting to the Elite Eight, and then they're, they're, they're in their brackets final, uh, the regional final, and all of a sudden now you go got to go up against Kentucky, and you get absolutely curb stomped because... The, the the white guy with the mustache suddenly isn't dropping 12 threes a game. And, you know, he go he goes cold. And your zone defense doesn't work against Kentucky because they just have athletes everywhere. Like, that's a little bit like what it felt last night. Um, you know, they went on the Cinderella run. They deserve to be there. They just got spanked by a better team. And I don't think TCU really is that bad. Like, I don't think that game last night – is indicative of the game they would give Georgia in October, let's say. I truly think they just kind of ran out of steam. You know, the magic was over. You know, they went up against a superior opponent. And once the wheels started falling off, it it was just over. Those kind of runs typically end end ugly, right? And and I think that's that's what we saw last night. Uh, And for the people that might say, oh, Michigan would have given them a better game. Well, they had their chance at Georgia in the semis last year, and they got embarrassed. And they had their chance to beat TCU, and they lost. So who who else Who else do you want? Um, I, I know, it goes back to Bama. But other other than Bama and Ohio State, who, who gave them the game, I don't know if they do that nine times out of ten, the, the way Ohio State competed in that semi against a team like Georgia. Other than Bama and Ohio State, no, nobody's going to give Georgia a real game. I mean, would would you agree with that? Well, historically, there's historically there's a team that's made the college football playoff that is that has played Georgia pretty tough on the road, won a game at home. Um, Notre Dame with Sam is Hartman. The, is it the same team that scored a combined seventeen points and two CFP appearances and got blasted by Alabama with Manti Teo? Is that team? <laughs> That was the BCS era, okay? And we have a new coach, and uh, someone, we, was texting me, someone was texting me last night. They said, well, if Brian Kelly <laughs> if Brian Kelly was the head coach of TCU, what would he say in the post-game interview right now? And the text was, now we know what the standard is. 
That's what he said after every loss. Now we know what the standard is. It's like, buddy, you, you just got whacked by Alabama. Now we know what the standard is. It's been the standard, pal. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I I think it's a good time to, to, to transition and not totally off subject, but we, we do have a call into the spot in the shade line. We always encourage listeners, followers to get involved. 215-385-5164. Hit us what, with whatever, and we'll answer on the upcoming episodes. Let's see what we got tonight. Guys, I uh, hope, hope you guys are putting together a quality show. I'm sitting here watching the national championships, and, and it's halftime. I personally think, and I'd love to hear your guys' take after this, but anybody who thinks that the Big Ten can hang with the SEC should be taken out back and treated like old yeller. I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts. Thanks. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, gee, you're anti-dog, but you did bet on the dogs, but you could be old yeller in this situation. So let's hear your thoughts. Yeah, no, th- thank you for the call. I I mean, w- me and you go back and forth about it, and we're, we're probably about to right now. Uh I so the the thing I struggle with, with with this argument is like there's no doubt that the SEC is is better than the Big Ten. There's no doubt that the the top of the SEC, the Georgias and the Bamas, are better than Ohio State and Michigan. There's no doubt. I think if Ohio State played in the SEC, they'd be the third best team on a regular basis. However, I I don't think that. The SEC East is a very good division. I think the Big Ten East is better than the SEC East. I don't think Georgia plays a very difficult schedule um, to get where they have to go, but it doesn't really matter because when they get to the big stage these last few years, now that they've gotten over the hump, they just beat the shit out of everybody. And when the conversation happens and Alabama's left out and Georgia – pile drives everybody the only team you can think of that would be a threat to them is Alabama so like I just don't like that it's like the Big Ten like why you got to pick on the Big Ten like the Big Ten ain't bad the Pac-12 the Big 12 the ACC like why has it got to be the Big Ten I'll tell you why and I don't I don't want to kill you here but there's been two national championships since the year 2000 from the Big Ten Ohio State in 2002 with Maurice Claret. They get the phantom PI call at the end, and they win that game against the U. And then it takes the legendary backup quarterback, a guy who ain't here to play school, man. 12-gauge coming off the bench, dude. Lighting it up. like I don't think they win that CFP without 12-gauge. Definitely not. It's just – it's two champions. Both are Ohio State, so – yeah, Big 12 is obviously not in there. You know, Pac-12 has not has not been good. I mean, the ACC, right? You have Clemson with two, Florida State with Jameis Winston. Um, so I think a little bit more of variation. And by the way, Florida State was in there again the following year in the mix in the CFP. So I, I just don't think you can sit here and say the Big 10 is head and shoulders above the other conferences. Um, and I felt like Herb Street at the end of that game trying to kind of say that was really bizarre. Like, oh, it's it's the SEC and the Big Ten, and it's kind of everybody else. And I don't, I don't know if he was talking about like TV dollars or something like that, or looking ahead to kind of like realignment with UCLA and USC. Like, I agree that the landscape will kind of shift when those teams come aboard because 
you can kind of tap into a different recruiting base. And Ohio State, the reason why they're nationally relevant is because they do that. They recruit nationally. But I don't know. I, I just I just don't think the Big Ten is like head and shoulders above these other conferences when you look at championships, when you look at relevant teams. Yeah, I mean, maybe over the last last 20 years, but I think in the CFP era, like Ohio State's been in it pretty much every year. Michigan has been in it the last two years. We had two teams in this year, and the team that gave Georgia the, the best the best game out of, out of anybody, uh, SEC or not, was Ohio State, a, a, a Big Ten team. So, and then I'm going to throw it in. Penn State, third best team in the Big Ten put the beat down on Utah, the Pac-12 champ in the Rose Bowl. So like I'm not I'm not here to say like the big the Big 10 is is better than the SEC or that like we're the same as the SEC. Like I I got it. Um but I just like it's just the top teams. Like it, the, the SEC's top teams are the best and then it, it's everybody else. But like I don't, I don't think, agree. Go on. I don't agree, but go go on and then I'll rebut. Like, like if you put Vanderbilt against Rutgers like I don't. I don't think it's a. It's a huge disparity. Well, yeah, you pick the two the two worst teams in the conference, but you know you're you're killing Georgia for playing in the SEC East, right? You know Tennessee finished eleven and two. They, uh, you know, they lost a tough one against South Carolina that eliminated them. But for most of the year, they were seen as a, a playoff team. Um, and then like you know Penn State's big win. I mean, I agree. Utah's a solid team. But let's not forget, you know, they lost to Florida. Florida was three and five in conference. They finished six and seven. They got crushed in their bowl game by Oregon State. Like, I don't think Florida's great, but they did beat Utah. Granted, they were at home, it was an opener, etc. So the way I kind of look at it is I agree Ohio State's kind of in a similar class as the top tier SEC teams. But if you were to take Alabama, right, and put them into – take them out of the SEC, put them into the Big Ten. If you were to take LSU, take them out of the SEC, put them into the Pac-12. If you were to take Tennessee this year, take them out of the SEC, put them into the ACC, you would have four SEC teams in the CFP. Yeah, that that's fair. That's that's fair. I, I don't disagree. Like, yeah, that, but, like, you could pluck – you could pluck Ohio State and Michigan and do the same thing. That's two less teams than what you name. So I don't know. And like you look at Penn State the last two years, they they beat Auburn back back to back years. I know Auburn wasn't wasn't good this year, but they went down to Jordan Hare and blew the doors off of them. And they be, they beat them at home with Bo Nix. I believe Auburn was ranked last year when they came to Penn State. And back to back years. You know, a, a middling Penn State team in, in 21 and, and a solid Penn State team in 22, just not even blinking an eye at Auburn. Yeah, I mean, they took care of business against what you would call like an inferior SEC team. I don't know. I mean, we could go back and this forth year on this were. all day. I, I just, when you look at the number of championships, I think it's 11 out of the last 15, two from Clemson, one from Florida State. One from Ohio State, the rest are SEC. There's been more parity with the SEC. You know, LSU's 1-1, Georgia's 1-1, uh, 1-2. Um, you know, Alabama's won their national championship. So it just seems like with the Big Ten, like the only team that has a chance is Ohio State. 
It's the only team that's got it done. Um, I ultimately think they get it done if Harrison stays in the game. I mean, that's the kind of that kid's got so much talent, and that's the you know he comes from a high school powerhouse that has the ability to take down the national champion type powers, and you know he had to leave the state to kind of get on that stage. G, you know, it's, it's my final plug there. <laughs> now, can you now what you said about like Ohio State kind of being in that in that class? Can you say that? in the last year or two years about any other team in, in, co- in college football that's not in the SEC? <clears throat> not in the SEC. I think – so if you if you take the, uh, the, the, the Ohio State – and this is hard to do, right? Ohio State won that, won that uh, CFP in 2014, I think it was, with 12-gauge. If you take that off the table, right? Ohio State's been in the mix for the most part. You know, in those following years, right, and and more recently, I think Notre Dame is right there. Um, I think Oregon on, is man. right there, just in the recent era. Well, I mean, what do you mean? Come on, Notre Dame showed I up mean, twice like and got embarrassed to the playoff. I don't, I don't. I mean, if you look at when they lost those games and who they lost to, and then what that what that other team did in the championship, like Notre Dame, yeah, they were outclassed. But when you talk about like being in in a, in the same kind of tier as a team that can make the playoff. I mean, they gave Ohio State a game earlier this year with that with that bum at quarterback. I guess, I guess. You you can you can hit your wagon to the Clemson, Irish. Clemson, you want Clem, Clemson's right there too, right? So like Yeah, but Clemson's got not, it done, Ohio State got it done once. Not the not the I'm saying like right now, like the last year or two. Like there's Nobody outside of the SEC and Ohio State that really you could call like a, a perennial national championship contender right now. But I, don't, I mean, Notre Dame was in it last year, weren't they? Last year? Or they year? just missed. And Kelly darted the year before they were in it. The year, the year Devontae Smith was uh, making, making incredible catches and winning the Heisman. Yeah, they lost thirty-one fourteen in the semis. They were they scored a, a late touch garbage time touchdown to make it look somewhat respectable, and then they lost thirty to three in their other CFP appearance to Clemson. Yeah, and what did Ohio State lose to Clemson a few years ago? The year the year they yeah, went to Penn State, they got embarrassed. Yeah, but they also should have beat Georgia two weeks ago. So, and and they've won it. Notre Dame hasn't won it. So like I mean, there's only say, there's only been one big there's only been one Big Ten team that has won it. So I'm not sure where this is continuing to go. I'm just saying Notre Dame is not in the class of Ohio State because that's what you're trying to do right now. That's where I'm going. Yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe not the <laughs> maybe not the same kind of class, but they're they're a step below it. I mean, they're right there of non champions. Notre Dame, Notre Dame and Oregon are probably the mo- two most successful programs of the non-champions of the last kind of 15, 20 years, I guess you could say. All right. Um, yeah, we, we could do it all day, but again, appreciate the call and that'll put a bow on uh, college football this season. I, I, I think we ended with a bang, giving out the Georgia Bulldogs. I think we both were over 500 this year. We'll uh, Once NFL's over, we'll, we'll, we'll finalize our, our Fade the Shade records uh, for the public. And uh, I I couldn't help myself but take a look at the the twenty three twenty four national championship odds 
Uh, Georgia is the favorite again, but I want to say maybe like in the in the 7-8 area, you have Notre Dame at plus 2,500, and you have Penn State right behind them at plus 2,800. So thoughts from the shade could get could get real spicy next year if uh, if Penn State and Notre Dame both have big years, which, you know, Notre Dame getting Hartman from Wake Forest, Penn State bringing, bringing a lot of guys back, uh, D.N. Addison Isaac and, and linebacker Curtis Jacobs announced this week they'll be returning. Uh, that was kind of up in the air. Aller coming in, obviously. So, should should be. Hopefully, we'll have more contenders next year, right? Let, last year with four teams, and like fuck everybody that's complaining about the twelve teams, the traditionalists. You know what? Uh, we're gonna end up having four SEC teams in the final four. Well, that, that's great. It'll be great football. So, what's the big deal? The the best teams will, will advance, and and it'll be great football. We won't have to watch what we did last night. So, that's all I got for college football. Great season. Um, don't forget uh, to rate this podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and share it with somebody that you think might like it. And we were fortunate enough uh, recently to be joined on the show with a good friend uh, from Lulu Country Club. He is PGA Pro and Lulu Assistant Pro and stick golfer. Ron Robinson. So let's send it over to Ron. Really excited to welcome our next guest uh, on to Thoughts from the Shade. He is our assistant pro at Lulu Country Club. He is the pride of North Penn High School and Monmouth University, uh, sitting on the USGA Golf Handicap Index application website with a with a cool casual plus 5.3. Index. He is Mr. Ron Robinson. Ron, thank you for coming on. Welcome to the show. What's happened, man? You just played some golf today? Yeah, just had a tournament for the Winter Series, the PGA guys of Philly run. Uh, literally just got back about 20 minutes ago, but happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, of course, dude. Um, so how'd you, how'd you play today? What course you play? Uh, we played Odessa National in Delaware. I think it's like... 30 minutes north of Dover. Um, I played good. I shot 69. Couple, a couple three putts. I think I had two or three three putts. But besides that, it was a good round. No complaints. That's um, what we like to hear. Yeah, for sure. Definitely a step in the right direction as this, the winter moves on. And I got a couple tournaments coming up. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to get to that. But I feel like it makes kind of the most sense to – Start with where you started and and your career, and and then we'll kind of bring it to like where you are now. So obviously, uh, I know you're a North Penn guy, Monmouth guy, but like, when did you start playing golf? How'd you get into golf? And like, what courses were you playing when you first started? Um, I actually like growing up. I really wasn't a golf guy. I more played like baseball and basketball. My I was a baseball kid really until I was like sixteen and. I blew out my arm, so I couldn't really play baseball anymore. So my dad introduced me to it like like a month before high school tryouts when I was 16. So I was going into like ninth grade. Um, and it worked out. Like first time I teed it up, I shot like 84 or 85. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, you, dude, you got to be like one of like one of a million to do that first, first go yeah, at it, right? Yeah, like I definitely like – wasn't expecting anything much. Like I thought I was going to shoot like 120 and like for, for remember the front nine, I shot like 50 something. 
And then, like, back nine goes on. Like, I'm playing okay. And then I'm like, Dad, what did I just shoot? And he's like, you shot 37 on the back. And I was like, oh, my God. Dude, that's insane. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's a pretty cool, like, thing to look back on, like, how, like, it started. And, like, how kind of how it snowballed from there. Because I – Obviously, I wasn't really thinking of playing golf competitively at that time. Like, I thought it was just going to be a thing like I could do in my 20s, drink with my buddies, like members of Lulu do, just play on the weekends. But, like, after that, I decided to go out for the team, made the team. I wasn't very good my freshman year or my ninth grade year. I think I was on JV the entire time. And then that winter, I was, I went from whatever handicap I was, 14, 15. And then, 10th grade tryouts go, I was shooting like in the 60s. So I was like a scratch in like a year. How, how, dude, how did, how did that happen? Like, do you get a lot of instruction or just a lot of work or what? Like the only instructor I've ever had is my dad. And like, that's like a very loose term. Like he's not like Justin Thomas's dad. Right. <laughs> he's, he just showed me how to like have the proper grip and like how to hit a slice, how to hit a hook and basically just told me to go have fun. So like I fell in love with the game because like it's all on you. Like you're all the responsibilities on you. If you mess up, it's on you. All, all the accolades is it's, you did it. No one else did. So like I, I just fell in love with it and just practiced like every single day for like five, six hours a day. I remember that first summer going into 10th grade, like my dad would drop me off at like 7 a.m. and then pick me up at 7 p.m. That was it. Holy hell. And what's yeah. uh what's what's North Penn's home track? Pinecrest? Dude, so so I texted some of uh some of our boys tell, telling them that you were coming on and I was like, "What should I ask Ronnie about?" And they're like, "Ask him about his rounds at Pinecrest or his days grinding at Pinecrest." Like I feel like if you went over there now, you'd probably take what, like a seven iron, a wedge in your putter and and, and beat it around <laughs> and shoot like an even par. <laughs> yeah. I remember, like, I think it was great that that was, like, the course I grew up playing because it is, like, the tightest golf course someone could play. Like, I remember there was holes, like, even the first hole, for example, like, it's a four iron off the tee, but, like, it's, like, a 25-yard landing area. Like, you have to, like, flush a four iron to stay in play. And that was, like, that's, like, the whole golf course. It's not in the greatest condition, which – is fine, but like it's super tight, so it just taught me how to hit the ball straight, which I think helps me even today. That's that is a good point. Like everybody, everybody wants to be long and thinks it's about being long and stuff. But like you gotta, I mean, we can spray it around at the loo, but yeah, Pinecrest people think it's kind of a joke and uh, maybe maybe a, a little bit rookie dookie, right? And and it's short, but like if if you can't hit the ball straight, like you're gonna have a pretty miserable day at Pinecrest, like myself. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Like, my dad, like, the first drill, like, when I started playing golf competitively, like, the first things my dad would do, like, he would drop me off. I would play 36, 54 a day. But he would give me, like, four balls. And if I lost them, I would just have to sit there. Holy hell. Or I'd have to go die for balls. So, like, I had to hit it straight. Now, how often were you, like, just sitting there or or maybe asking (laughs) somebody for balls or something like that? There was days I I sat there asking guys to throw me a ball or two, give me like your top flights or something. But, and I'd be sitting there for like a couple hours, but there's a, and that, but when you get better and better, like 
uh, I was starting to only ask for one ball a day and then go play 36. That's wild, man. Um, and I, I didn't mean to dump on, on Pinecrest by any means. Like it's, it's, it's a solid track, but like, I mean, you're like golf is your life, right? Like ever since it sounds like ever since kind of your, your arm went bad with baseball, like golf's your life. So, uh, obviously it's not the case at, at Lulu, how we connected, but like the golf world, it, it can be a little, little uptight, little, little snobby. And like some people might, might take, take a shot at Pinecrest. So I, that's not what I was really trying to do, but you, you might, you might, you might hear it from, uh, from some big wigs compared to myself. Um, talk about like, I don't know, any accolades in high school or how did, uh, how did like continuing to play into college, how did that kind of shake out? So high school golf is a little different than I would say like obviously like football and like basketball, like you kind of have to do like other things outside, like the PIAA stuff to get recruited. So I was kind of playing in like, um, what was there? My first tournament's really like the Philadelphia junior tour, which were good. That was like an introduction to like tournament golf, especially because high school golf was only nine holes. Like the other tournaments that I was playing in were 18 and, college coaches more cared about that and then i i played in that for like a year just got my feet wet like being competitive like playing 36 whole tournaments it's not the easiest thing in the world especially as a kid it might be like expect like when i was younger like if i had a bad hole like i'd blow up and like it'd be done so like it took a while like six months to really understand like 36 whole tournaments it's a long way to go um and then after that, I progressed to her. It's called the Hurricane Junior Golf Tour. That's like the step up from that. And then the AJGA Golf is like the step above that, which is highly competitive junior golf. Um, is this are all those like kind of local, or are you playing people like across the country, or what? Uh, the farthest I traveled to was the Carolinas, but there there's AJGA Junior Golf tournaments like all around the world. Like okay. Like, like how there's the world rankings for the pros. Like that, I was on a, I was in a world ranking for like everybody, like under 18 in the world. Like it's pretty crazy how it works. And how high up do you get? I was like, I think I, my best ranking was like 800, 700. I didn't play in that many, but yeah, like these kids, like if you were in the top like two, three hundred, like you were going to like D one school, like no pro, no questions asked. It's pretty crazy how it all worked probably a lot of people on that list right a lot lot of people in the rankings yeah oh yeah it's crazy that's pretty wild man it sounds like a grind so i guess did did you have a lot of offers or was how did you end up at monmouth it's funny i actually it's a weird story um i played so i played in a tournament it was a philadelphia amateur qualifier at bluebell and i get paired up with a guy andy Beidel. he's actually manny he's a member of manny's First hole, he tells me he's a member of Manny's, played at Monmouth, and I told him, like, I was still looking for a school. Um, but I played really well that day. I shot, I think I shot, like, 68. I chipped in, like, three times, made, like, two eagles. Like, a bunch of stuff happened. After the round, he gives me a call and was like, um, let me, I want to tell my coach about you. Like, would you be interested about Monmouth? I'm like, where's Monmouth? Like, I don't even know, um, where that is. He told me it was D one school. Like it's a great place to be. So I was like, yeah, like have your coach get in contact with me next day. My, 
old college coach gives me a call, tells me to come down for a visit like two days later. I go down for a visit, love the school, and then he offers me right on the spot, and then I accepted it. Damn, from one day of playing playing with that guy, huh? Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. Like I, if I that we like, and it's all by chance. Like we got paired together randomly, and I happened to just play really well. Like it's pretty weird circumstance. Like if that if we don't get paired together, I probably don't go to Monmouth. That's crazy. You think yeah. you still play college golf though? Probably right. Uh, yeah, I had offers from. Um, I had an offer from LaSalle. And then I also had an offer from Lafayette College, I believe. Um, so I probably would have played college golf. I don't know. I probably, if I didn't go to Monmouth, 90% probably would have been at LaSalle. Yeah. Well, I guess Monmouth is better than Dartmouth, right? You know, yeah. academics and stuff like that. Probably would have been breaking your back a little bit more. Um, I don't think I had the grades to get into Dartmouth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I I didn't check your transcripts before uh, before before I had you on here, but I just thought thought I'd throw that one out there. Um, and how how was Monmouth? I mean, talk about the time there. Any any, any accolades? I mean, I kind of looked briefly over the profile, and they give it the rundown. But what were, what were kind of the highlights from your perspective of of playing college golf? Um, I would say personally, my biggest highlight was last year. Um, I ended up winning at Bucknell. Um, Bucknell's Invitational they had. I played really well. I shot, I think I shot 64 the first day. And then I think I shot like even and then even the third day to win by. And then I birdied 18 to win by one, I think. So wow. that was my first, that was my first and only win in college. But it was, it was a cre- incredible experience because I, luckily I went wire to wire and it's not the easiest thing to do in the world. So it was pretty cool to get that win just before I graduated last year. Dude, that's that's really impressive. And like so for for me and and maybe some of the people that are listening that that aren't totally familiar with like how college golf works. Like you flip it on on golf channel sometimes and like you can kind of see it's like team events. So like did you play some team and then this Bucknell thing was kind of an, an individual event? So basically every college tournament there's two tournaments simultaneously. There's the team and then there's the individual. So the team is you bring five guys to a tournament, and then you count the best four scores, and then that's your score. Um, and then the individual just run, runs simultaneously to that, just low, low, gro- well, there's no low gross, um, just wins. I had, I think I came in second like seven or eight times over my five years in Monmouth. So. To get the win was huge. Just a month. Finally got over the hump. Yeah, I'm just tired of coming in second like every single time I was in contention. Now, how does that like feel? Because you know, as someone like me, a weekend hack. Like I don't play a ton of competitive golf. I do a couple events at the Lou that 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 are fun and we get fired up. But uh, like you you see guys on, on TV that in the PGA tour that are constantly finishing second, like you can actually relate to that from your college experience. Like how shitty of a feeling is that? I mean, you're playing pretty good golf, but like, you're not, you're not getting over the top. Yeah. I mean, it's great to play well. I mean, everybody loves to play well. And those times I did come in second, I was really happy how I played, but like you're just constantly thinking about what you could have done better. Like this eight footer I missed led me 
it's on the next tee, hit it in the rough, which led me to miss the green, which led me to make another bogey. Like you just go over all the scenarios in your head to like get back those couple shots that kept you from winning. And, and like, it is really hard to win. Like people don't understand, like more Cowa just lost a seven shot lead on Sunday yesterday to lose a tournament. Like it is so hard to win. It is like, you could play good. He played good for fifth. 63 holes and lost the golf tournament. You Dude, I was shocked. I was yeah. shocked when I saw that. I think I, I was watching some of the Eagles game and then fl- flipped it over er- early on. And he's at like minus 29 and, and the guy in seconds at 21 or 22. And then I, I wake up Monday morning and check, check who won. And, and John Rahm won. I was like, Holy hell. Yeah. It's, inc- it's, I feel so bad for him. But like, <laughs> I, even so he shot, I don't, I, I'm, I don't know what he finished at, but I'm sure he was in the 20s and under par and still lost a golf tournament. Like it, the level of golf that they're at is just so far and above beyond like anything people can imagine. Like I, I would say I'm a good golfer. I mean, but they're just so far above like what people understand. It's just incredible. Yeah. I feel like it's it's kind of odd because I was I was looking at that leaderboard and and seeing all the all the low scores and then I thought back like didn't the wasn't the first tournament in 2022 like didn't Camp Smith pop off for like a minus 34 over the, through the four days like was it the yeah. same tournament or what's going on in January that these guys just come out firing? I think that golf course like there where they play it's I don't know if it's easy or not like it doesn't look very easy and they're it's like a casual nine under par 64. And it's like, what? Like, how is this even possible? Especially when it's like 7,500 yards and the wind's blowing and they're just hitting nine irons from 185 yards, like three feet, just tapping it in nonchalant. It's like incredible. Must be some life, huh? Yeah, hard life. <laughs> um, but, dude, speaking of, speaking of, I guess, low rounds and, and accolades, I know, I know you just graduated from Monmouth and I want to – kind of set you up and pump you up for, for what you have coming up. But like, we got to talk about, um, you know, any aces in your career. I have five. Wow. Yeah. I have five. Cause like, I mean, obviously you're like you said, very good golfer, but like there's some really good golfers out there that don't have an ace. And then there's like some total bums out there that have like two. Oh yeah. yeah I remember cat. I caddied for a woman at Commonwealth once. And she hit a driver from a hundred yards, hundred, yeah, about hundred yards. Landed on a downslope of the bunker, shot forward, whacked the flag, went in. Oh. <laughs> and I'm standing there like a scratch golfer without one. It's like, are you kidding me? But like, it's just all luck. It's yeah, it's so all luck. People call it skill. It's all luck. And where are your where are your five, or what was like the most notable of the five? I made so I have. Two, two at Lulu. I have one at Manufacturers. I have one at Pinecrest, and then I have one at Talmore. Damn, yeah. that must that must be like some luxury in life to when somebody asks you, "Oh, how much? Where'd you have your aces at?" And you're like, "You got so many that you can't you can't remember them all." But like. <laughs> Were you were you two at Lulu since you you've kind of came on as assistant pro? Like how you've been at the Lou for what like a year now, probably. 
A um, little, little yeah, less? I think like, it's got to be like seven, eight. I think it's like seven, eight months. But I was actually a member at Lulu two years before, for two years before I was a pro. Okay. And my first round as a member, I played with uh, John and I made one. So that was pretty cool. That's, that's, must have got your foot in the door, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think so. He'd probably say no, but. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm thinking about asking it, uh, him to come on this this podcast at some oh, point. He would, be, he would be probably the best guest ever. He's, he's quite the character. Um, yes, he is. Great yeah, boss. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work on him. Um, and obviously, talking about Lulu, we got to talk about what happened back back in July. Um, the, the famous 60, the course record uh, that you set. Talk about that day. Um you know, how how does that go? I, I know the scorecards on Instagram. I, I, I took a peek at it, but, like, it looked like you kind of got hotter on the back, and, oh, and yes. really that's when you had a chance. Like, how do you – how'd you keep it together? Like, did you know you had a chance, or were you just – you were just playing and knew you were going low? Like, do you get, so, get nervous on 17-18? Yeah, I remember crossing the road, I was, like, two under. I know, like, I was playing well. For people like, that, that don't know the low, crossing the road is through seven, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I hit, I lipped out for a one on six, made birdie, part seven. And I was like, oh, I have a nice round going, like 200, like she shoots on the 60s. And then I birdied eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. <laughs> oh and I God. was like, okay, we got something here. Like, let's go, what's going on here? And then 13 is like, you got to make par. Made par. I mean, actually, I think I had a bird, mangled birdie putt. Missed it. Made par. And then birdied 14, hit it to like a foot on 14, and then I made like a 25-footer on 15. And then I was like, oh, my God, like I have a good shot. Like I have a shot at this. Did you and know what the record was at the time? 62, I think, was the record. Yeah. And then actually on 16, I topped my tee shot. <laughs> like 60 yards. Yeah, that was probably the right hole to do it. Did you? You still probably went and made a four, right? Yeah, I hit. I had like two eighty, and I nailed a three wood, like just short of the green, and I flipped it up to like ten feet, made par. Wow! And I was like, I, fit, I like, I was like the first putt. I was like nervous over because I was like, do not make bogey on this hole. And then luckily, I almost hit my tee shot out of bounds on seventeen. It was like a foot. It was like. It was probably in by like three feet. It got a bounce left. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> wow. Uh, got lucky, made birdie, and then, yeah, made the 70 footer, 65 footer on 18 for birdie. Shoot six. Is that what it was? Yeah. It was, pin was back left, and I was short off the green right. And I didn't want to chip it because I was nervous. And there was like, there had to have been like 20 members around. So I was like, don't knife this over the green, so let's get the flat stick out. And you buried and I, it. It was honestly probably going 10 feet by. It just whacked the flag and went in. Yeah. Dude, but holy shit. That's insane. We'll take it. So, so like, you knew, you knew you had something going, but did you know what the course record was while you were uh, out yeah, there? I, I've known it was 62. Like, Yeah. So, like, I knew my number was 61, but to make birdie on 18 to shoot 60 was, like, even better. 
And who, dude, who were you playing with? Like, how were they taking it out there? Were you? Was it just a twosome, foursome? What was going on? I was playing with. Uh, I was playing with three members: with Sean Coleman, Alex Calgary, Bob Schubert. And what 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 were they doing? As as you were coming were, down the stretch, watching just dump them in. Yeah, they knew something was happening after like fourteen when I hit to like a foot. So like everybody got like real quiet. <laughs> And then on 15, when I made the bomb, I heard someone, I don't know, They word was starting to spread because my phone was going crazy, like in our group chat. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so I started to get a little nervous. I know. That's like kind of wild because you, you, you're probably just out there to have, have fun, have a good round. But like the caliber of player you are, you, you get something going and then like – News travels fast at that at that place, right? And then every, everybody's going off, and people are coming out to, to eighteen. Like you thought it was just another n- another walk in the park, another day at the course, and then you're you're coming down sixteen, and you got you got a real shot, and everybody's going nuts. Yeah, it's funny. Like I literally clocked out of work at like two, and like it was on the I was on the first tee at like two o five. Like I was running running to the first tee. It's crazy to think about shots. Like I played really well, shot sixty. Dude, it's funny how it works. Like the rounds I like prepare, I won't play well, and then the other rounds I'm running to the first tee. I'll do that. It's just how golf works. Just not thinking, man. That's it. Um, yeah, we'll we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye. Eleven under sixty at, at Lulu Country Club back in July. That's pretty wild. I wonder uh, wonder how long that one will hold up. I'd imagine. It's gonna. Hopefully, no one will break it for a little bit. I like to. That's, but it's probably doable. I think someone's gonna do it in the next couple of years. It's a good athlete, and we have a lot of good players at the club. So you never, you never know. Yeah, exactly. Anybody can get hot, shoot something in the fifties. Never know. Yeah. So have you? Uh, you know, through all through the years. Uh, I mean, I, I anticipated you telling me you played golf like since you were a little kid. Coming on here. Um, but in your time playing golf, have you play with anybody notable, anybody like kind of famous or anyone that's that's kind of on the up or anything like that? Um, I played U.S. Open sectional qualifier with Eric Compton. Okay. Who uh, came in second in the U.S. Open in 2012, I think. Damn. That was the one Martin Keimer ran away with. But I played with him in sectionals. I also played with – same tournament, Carl Phillips, who was the number one junior in the world, played at Stanford now. Wow. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. And, like, what's it like to play with, like, you know, pe- people like that where you kind of know? Or, or, like, what were that? did they have that kind of status or stature at the time? Or I, I knew Eric Compton um, just from watching him on TV, obviously, and he's a really good player. So, like, to watch and see his mannerisms is pretty cool. Um, he's also a really nice guy, which is nice too. That's what's up. Yeah. yeah. I feel like for, for people like me, maybe some of the listeners of our show, like again, your average golfer, like I, I know I bring friends to Lulu and, and maybe we get, we get the odd member to play cause we only have three or something. And like, they get nervous to hit the ball in front of other people. I'm like, dude, everybody, everybody stunk at one point and every, everybody's hit a bad shot. Like no, nobody really cares. So like yeah. thinking about you playing in, in more competitive events and playing with people that are in the U S open or, or lighting it up at Stanford, but like 
like you said, kind of when you started playing and why you love golf, like it's, it's, it's all about you, man. Like you got to zone everything else out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's why golf's the best game to be honest. It's just, you, there's no one out like the, the best saying I, anyone's ever told me is no one really cares what you shoot beside yourself. That's At true. We, we've talked about that before. Like, I mean, you know, you, you, you're there all the time. Like everybody comes in and everybody's got a story. Oh, I duffed this chip and I missed this putt and this one lipped out and I blew this driver, uh, in the lime kiln pike. Like, (laughs) it's like you either played well or you didn't like, let's, let's just, let's just leave it at that and have a beer and and talk about something else. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, but I wanted to ask like, so it sounds like you just kind of, you were just beating balls at will to to kind of improve your game and, and get to where you are. But like for somebody like me or uh, kind of your your weekend hack, like other than maybe just like give it up or accept the fact that that you might blow. Like what's what's a tip or, or some advice you, you would give someone like like me to to maybe improve a little bit? What what's the key when you're like a uh, a mid mid teen handicap to to maybe get it down to like a ten or, or single digit? I think what. Because I was like a 14, 15 when I started. Like the biggest thing for me to get better was literally all I did was practice short game. Like I didn't really touch – like if I was practicing, like I didn't touch like my driver three with like long irons. Like I just worked on my wedges and putting because like at the end of the day, that's where the money's made. Like you can hit bad shots, but you can make it up with a good chip and a good putt. Like you can't make up a good – you can't make up a bad chip with a good drive. You know what I mean? Drive for show, putt for dough, yeah, baby. You can hit the best drive you can, and you can still make a double with yeah. bad wedges and bad But you can make a par off a bad tee shot. That's what I. That's the biggest difference in the game. Yeah, I I feel like that's something I try to focus on, and I feel like my long game is kind of kind of short. And uh, maybe you could say that on and off the golf course, but like. <laughs> You know, I work on the chipping and the, and the putting, and uh, usually when when that stuff's going, I can I can piece together a decent round. But we got to look forward. What what do, you, what do you have coming up? I know you're going somewhere at the end of the month to, to play some golf. Uh, talking about Q school applications and stuff like that. So, like, what's what's kind of next next for you? So next, I got in less than two weeks. I got the Tampa Open at uh, Lake Jovita Country Club in uh, I think it's Dade City, Florida. So. We'll be out there, um, be out there a week. Tournaments is two days, so I got a practice day. Going to go see some sites before. Um, but, yeah, really excited to go out and compete down there, get used to the grass, and be playing golf in good weather is always a good thing as well. Hell, yeah, dude. Um, who are you going down with? You got you got a caddy for this thing? Do you need yeah, one? Yeah, my, uh, my girlfriend's caddy for me, my trusty. Let's go. Yeah. She'll, she'll she'll keep your head screwed on out there, right? Oh, oh, absolutely. That's what's up. She's shaking her head at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> and and then did you tell me tonight that you 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 applied to Q school qualifying school? Talk about like for for someone that that doesn't really know, like uh, I mean, talk about the, the Tampa Open and if that goes well, and then the whole Q school process, just for like very high level for someone that, that isn't familiar, kind of what, you know, and on this podcast, we're not, we're not an if podcast, we're a when. So like when everything shakes out for you with this stuff, like what's it going to look like? So 
the Tampa opens more of just like there's no if I play well I don't go any I don't go anywhere past that it's just like a money tournament. Um, so if that that goes well, which would be great, I have more money in my pocket, which is always a good thing. But um, the Q school, so I think it's around 140 guys at each um, qualifying site. There's five qualifying sites. The top 30 at each site get some sort of status on the Canadian PGA Tour this coming year. Um, obviously, the higher you finish in that top 30, the more starts or better status you'll get. So that's kind of what I'm chasing there. And that's uh, end of February. Let's go, man. Well, best of luck. Uh with all those endeavors coming up, maybe we'll, uh, I, I would vouch that you should fly down to Tampa now with your bag and three golf balls and, uh, that, that, that'll get you dialed. Yeah. yeah it worked for me then. It probably would work for me now. <laughs> Any, anything else, uh, that, that you want to share with, with the listeners? Uh, hopefully we'll get a couple more Lulu guys tuning in anything for, for those clowns over at the club. Um, yeah, honestly, this last like eight months has been like one of the biggest pleasures of my life, like working with the people that work at Lulu and just serving the members. Like I have such a blast being there. I love going to work every day and seeing honestly my friends. Like I love everything about the place. It's been awesome. And hopefully we can keep it going for the next couple of years. Yeah, dude, I know it's, uh, I mean, I don't know a ton about it, but it seems like you, you could be there. You, you could be gone and you could be on to, to bigger and better things, which we'd obviously hope for you. But yeah, I, I would echo, I don't work there. I'm a member there, but I'd echo the statements about Lulu. Just, uh, just a great place to, to be and hang out and a great group of people. Yeah, for sure. Definitely love it. Uh, before, before I, I let you go, uh, I know you're at the birds game last night. We'll probably, we'll probably air this, uh, before the Eagles play their first playoff game, obviously have the buy secured. But where where do you got the Eagles finishing this this playoff run at? Oh, they're going to win the Super Bowl, hundred percent, hundred percent. You no heard point. it, folks, hundred percent. No doubt, people get man. their futures. People have their futures. You might as well go to the, go to the sports book right now and cash it in. Wow, I I have a future on the Eagles from from August, and I'm thinking about. Yeah, me too. I might have to. Me I might too. have to. I might have to cash it out. I'm a, I'm a little nervous right now, but they they have a couple of weeks to get right. So and they won't get like yeah. San Francisco yeah. in the first game. So uh, we'll we'll look forward to that. But uh, can't can't thank you enough for for taking the time and coming on and and sharing some some stuff with us. Obviously, I would like to wish you the best of luck going forward. I know we'll be in touch and I'll be seeing you at the club. Um, but I I think uh, I, I speak for for everybody at Lulu when uh, I, I say. Good luck at the end of the month and with Q school and everything. And, and, uh, for anyone that's interested is, do you know where we can kind of follow along? Can, where can we follow you? Where can we follow, uh, the Tampa open and, and anything like that? Uh, so my Instagram is, uh, Ronnie.Robinson one. Um, you can follow the Tampa tournament at West Florida And then Q school will actually be, there's going to be live scoring on PGA tour.com. Awesome. Well, we, we look forward to seeing your name at the top of some leaderboards, man. Um, thanks again for joining the show, and uh, I know I'll be seeing you soon, bro. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. And we'll thank Ron Robinson again for joining the show. Great guy. Uh, appreciate him offering some time and, and some stories 
uh, with us. And, and I know it was tough to hear at the end of the, the interview, but uh, you can follow him along at the end of this month in the Tampa Open at West Florida Golf Tour. Dot com. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at TFTSPod and on Instagram at Thoughts from the Shade. And that'll bring us to our number one seed in the NFC, Philadelphia Eagles, who clinched that number one spot on Sunday down at Lincoln Financial Field with a sloppy, ugly 22-16 to 16 win over the JV New York Giants. Bob, I don't think you were there. I wasn't there. And I'll tell you what, I had to I sat and sat through that game and watched it, but it was tough to be all there because for, for the second week in a row it felt like preseason football out there at the link. Pretty pathetic. Pretty pathetic. <laughs> uh sold the ticket. Didn't want to be down there because they should 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 win. Did win. Should have went should have won. So I sold it because why would I go? When they should win, the only thing that can happen is they could lose, in which case I do not want to be there. Um, but I agree, pretty pretty, pretty lousy game. You know, you could tell Hurts was kind of pretty pretty gingerly kind of tossing the ball around and protecting his body. But, yeah, they, they got it done. But at what cost, G? At what cost? It's, it's a scary thought. I mean, Hurts definitely looked – you know, kind of timid out there. Nick Sirianni talking about after the game and, and even today, like how sore he was and how mu- we know how much he's hurting, man. Like, why are you offering that up to to the public and, and to your next opponent that dude's banged up? And why are you offering that offering that up to us, the fans? Um, that, that you're running him in, in QB sneaks on, on on fourth down in the fourth quarter against the New York Giants. I know it's a, a must have game for the number one seed, but it came down to having a QB sneak, your your MVP caliber quarterback who's really hurting in the fourth quarter against the Giants at home when they're playing nobody. Like, read the room a little bit. Have have a little a little sense of, of what's happening in the streets here. Um, yeah, not encouraging, but we'll hope, we'll hope Hurts will get right. But I, I really think, like, the coaching obviously has, is under – underperformed the last few weeks. They didn't get the best out of Minshew in New Orleans. Um, and obviously the defense against Dallas didn't get it done. But, like, I think putting that all that aside, all that behind us, we know we have a very talented team, albeit banged up. I think this, this playoff run is going to hinge on the health of Lane Johnson. And I know that that's not, like, breaking news by any means. But I know Hurts is, is obviously got to play. Um but like he's going to need to be protected, and even an eighty percent Lane Johnson gives you a better chance than what they've done the last few weeks on the offensive line. So we'll 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 have high hopes for Lane's health. Uh, come, I guess it'll be next Sunday. I don't know, G. I mean, I agree with everything you just said. I, I don't have a really good good feeling about this playoff run unless. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts gets right and gets right quickly. We, we told you a few weeks ago, I think you and I were talking about kind of like getting the Super Bowl, and I felt really confident about it with the asterisk being as long as they're healthy and as long as Jalen Hurts doesn't break his leg. Well, 
I mean, the guy, I I cannot believe they threw him out there last week. I mean, what does that tell you about their confidence in Gardner Minshew? What does that tell you about their ability to game plan and and scheme guys open? I mean, Hertz, Hertz comes on the field and we're already running the post shit to A.J. Brown. That's the only thing that works, right? We're going to run read option. We're going to do post to AJ. There's no creativity. They don't protect the guy at all. It's just Jalen Hurts putting the freaking Superman cape on and willing his team to victory every week. And I ha- I have to think that come playoff time, when they're playing against better opponents who know of his limitations now, thanks to Nick S. talking about it in the media, that, that this is going to be a real issue, and, I, and I'm not confident. I hate to say it. And again, unless something changes over the next few days, next week, I'm not confident in this, this team's ability to get out of the NFC Championship game. I agree. I obviously have the preseason future on the birds. I think it was like 22-1 to 1 or 25-1, to 1 and I'm, I'm, I'm weighing the option of, of cashing it out. I mean, I want to see who they're going to get in the divisional round. It's it's going to be one of, ta- excuse me, Tampa, Dallas, the Giants, or the Seahawks, which I think they're all winnable games. I mean, obviously they're all winnable. I, none of them really scare me. Any game is losable if you, if you fuck around enough the way they have the last three weeks and you don't have a healthy Lane Johnson and, and, and Jalen Hurts is hurting. He's hurting. So I, I'm looking to press cash out on, on that ticket unless I, I I don't know I get some some better vibes in the next uh, seven seven to ten days. But I I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, it's it's not all good and well for me. Like it's just it's been a, it's been a sludge into the playoffs and ha- having to take four quarters against the backups of the Giants at home in your building. To clinch that one seed, you needed one of three games, and it took you to the very end to get it done. It's just, it's not, it's not good vibes. And you got Shane Steichen and, and John Gannon; they're getting their suits on. Nick Sirianni said he's confident that these guys will wear suits for their head coaching or interviews with Houston, and that he's got a contingency plan. He's had, he's had thoughts about a contingency plan if, if those guys go, buddy. How about the NFC uh, playoffs? You got, you got a plan for that? Are we worried about that? Or are we you, you go and shoot suit shopping with your assistants for for their head coaching gigs? So, dude, it's so incredible to me. Like, I'm the first guy to rip a guy like Carson Wentz before a big game. He's you know pumpkin patch or on the Bobcat or doing this or doing that. So you have these coordinators who who are about to embark upon the biggest run of their careers as offensive and defensive coordinator, respectively. And they're looking for another job. They're looking for a promotion outside of the organization. I mean, it would be like me going to work and, and preparing for the biggest meeting with the biggest customer, the biggest client, which is going to help our company like hit our bottom line, deliver outsized impact to Wall Street, juice our share price. And like four weeks before the meeting, I'm going suit shopping and taking interviews with like another company. What is that, dude? It's just odd. It's just very odd that that that's what the hype, the hype is here Tuesday before before the playoffs start. Uh, and I, I, got, I got to throw one in there too. 
we, we didn't mention, but how about big play Slay getting mossed by that bum Kenny Galladay on, on Sunday? I, I was looking for Slay to, to have a pick six off of uh, Davis, Davis Webb. Davis Webb. And get the boys together and, and take the ball to the stands and everything. But now he, he got mossed by maybe the worst uh, free agent wide receiver signing in the history of the NFL. Well, you may not know this, but sometimes when you apply for a new job, right, and you and you give your two weeks, they tell you, hey, you know what, just send your laptop in now. If Jonathan Gannon has a good first interview with, like, the Houston Texans and it's trending towards him uh, getting the job, I, I'd, I'd send him now. Like, like jo- Jonathan, knock him out in the interview, buddy. He comes back. I'm on to the final round. I, if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, I call up the freaking owner. What's it going to take for JG to win the jab? <laughs> and then give him the job and then say, see you later. We don't need your two weeks notice. Kick rocks, pal. <laughs> I hear you. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine the uh, the defensive playbook is very thick. It's probably about five pieces of paper and a little three-ring binder. So anybody could pick it up and, and call the plays and just leave it to Edwards. But well, uh, let's let's look forward. We got Super Wild Card Weekend this weekend, and it starts on Saturday. We got Seattle, who squeaked in as the seven seed, beating the Rams in overtime last week, and the Lions doing them a solid on Sunday night, beating Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, who turned the ball over, took stupid penalties at, at home, and. Lost to a Lions team that found out like 30 minutes before kickoff that they weren't making the playoffs. I know it's been talked about all over the place, but what a complete kick in the dick and and botch job by the NFL, the way they scheduled these games this past weekend. Um, You know, I was really hoping to see another de facto playoff game Sunday night like we saw Saturday night with with the Titans and the Jags, but um, Seattle had the win and and the schedule was just totally jacked. But I... You got to show a lot of love to Dan Campbell and, and the Lions to, to know that your season is not going to be extended, and you're in Lambeau and it's cold. It's it's your now it's your last game of the season. You just found out 20 minutes ago, and you go out and, and fight like hell and don't let the Packers get in a division rival like to finish over 500. Got I, I got to give them a lot of love, a lot of respect. That's that's a hell of an effort and a hell of a job by them. Uh, even though they, they they killed my my penny bets uh, on Green Bay to to advance in the playoffs, um, so Hawks at Niners Saturday uh, early evening, and then Saturday night bomb our boy Doug Peterson, Jacksonville the Duval the Duval is going to be popping off again Saturday night. The L.A. Chargers go to Jacksonville uh, eight fifteen Saturday night. What a sight to see the Jags in primetime. If I'm not mistaken, I think that was the first time last week, Saturday night, that they were in primetime since 2011 or 2014. Uh, uh, they, played was, th- they played a Thursday night game against the Jets. Are we counting that? I don't think I'm counting that. I think I think it was outside of that. Yeah. Or maybe maybe a home primetime. Maybe that was it. But it, there was, there was be, some, yeah. something out there. But, man, that place was rocking. And I couldn't help but notice early in that game the owner's up in the box, and I don't know if they just caught him at at an off time or whatever, but he's up there with, like, his head in his hands looking like me in high school, like, taking a nap on my desk, like, in the middle of class. But 
he was he was fired up afterward, but I just saw that and I was like, dude, this is like the biggest game for the Jags in a decade, and the place is absolutely popping off. It was great to see. You gotta you gotta be happy like like we were for the Lions, even though they didn't make it. Like you gotta be happy for the Jags fans. I like to see the fan bases that like just have to eat crow and eat shit year after year, like to finally get in. And, and thanks to our boy Doug Peterson, like great to see. So I'm looking forward to that game Saturday night. It's just, it's great to see. I mean, obviously we're pulling for the Jags. Um, Doug's post-game speech was incredible. Uh, you know, touching on the the Hamlin situation in Buffalo, how these guys are privileged to play this game. Any second it could be ripped from you. And they just grind it all week. They battle through it. I mean, Doug Peterson is a real, real classy guy. Like a guy, and you could tell by the way the players were talking about him after the game. The safety who a few weeks ago said he would die for Doug. Doug finishes his speech and the safety says, you know what? I I got a few words. I got a few words, coach. We got a general, General Doug. (laughs) Yeah, man, it was awesome. You sent that over to me and and honest to God, and the owner was in it after, so that's why I was like he was fired up after. Um, But I felt like you at at the work conference, like starting to get a little teary-eyed, man, like – that's that's what's great about football. That's why we love football. Like there's there's obviously a human side to it and a, and a camaraderie side, and that's what it's all about. And Doug Peterson is just like the ultimate ultimate football guy. So we'll be rooting him on. I mean, I got a I got a Chargers future, but I'm still rooting rooting Doug on Saturday night. Um, Sunday we got the one, the four thirty, the eight fifteen, starting with Dolphins Bills, Giants Vikings in the four thirty slot, and Ravens Bengals. Uh, Sunday night, and we'll round it out Monday night with the Cowboys and the Bucks. So, if all the higher, oh, let me let me ask you something: Are the Eagles the highest seed or the lowest seed in, in the NFC playoff picture? Uh, highest. Okay, because I was getting into it with with somebody who listens to this show about they were like, do the Eagles play the the highest seed left after this weekend? I said. I think you mean the lowest, and he goes, "No, the highest." But I guess I guess he's saying like seven is a bigger number than say six, so that's higher. But no, they're they're the lowest seed. Um, but should all of yeah. the hot should all of the highest seeds advance in the NFC? The Eagles will play the winner of that Dallas uh, Bucks game on, on pretty short rest. You you would think playing Monday night, so. Let's do this, Bob. Let's do. Uh, we'll round it out. Look forward to Wild Card Weekend. Uh, who would you? Who do you? Who do you want to see most for the Eagles? Like, what do you think is maybe the best matchup, or who? Who do you want to see? It doesn't have to be best matchup. Just who do you want to see? I th- I think I'll give you I'll give you both. I think the best matchup and who I want to see uh, are are the same. Um, I think if you're an Eagles fan, you have to be rooting for chalk on Saturday and Sunday because if San Francisco gets the job done, if Minnesota gets the job done, both of those teams winning that game mean that the Eagles play the winner of Dallas and Tampa on short rest. You mentioned it. I mean, if Eagles are banged up, it would be nice to have that extended rest period and play against a team that's coming off a Monday night game, um, especially all the adrenaline associated, you know, with the playoffs guys, guys laying it, laying it on the line, which means it'll be a Sunday Divisional game, right? Um, so short rest. I want Dallas, dude. I want Dallas. I want I want a team that has to travel to Tampa, 
play on grass. I think I read they're one and three or one and four on natural grass. Dude, and you think about it. You turn their games on at Jerry World. They just roll that carpet out there. They they tell Micah Parsons, put the sprinter shoes on. He just gets upfield. Can't do it on the natural grass. So they're going to play a game on natural grass against Tampa, right? Then they got to fly home. Granted, Florida to Texas isn't crazy, but short rest again. You know, wake up at God knows what time on Tuesday, throw the body off. Chip Kelly wouldn't know what to do. He'd have these guys in the hyperbaric chamber, smoothies everywhere. But Mike McCarthy's not that kind of guy, G. There's no sports science going on at Jerry Rowe with Mike McCarthy. Give me the Cowboys coming into I, Philly to get whacked. I love it. I, I think I'm with you. Uh, I mean, in ter- obviously the Seahawks would probably be the easiest game. Uh, I, they're not going to beat San Francisco. I mean, crazier shits happen, but I, I don't think it's likely. I, it's kind of a disgrace. I think that they're even in the playoffs the way they played in that, that last must win. But I'll tell you the team I, I don't really want to see and I think they have a chance to win on Sunday is the Giants I totally agree yeah I, I, I wouldn't want to see the Giants and I think they got a shot Sunday against Minnesota uh, so we'll you know maybe we'll uh, we'll we'll be pulling for our boy Bob Party former guest you know he'll be invested seeing his Giants back in the playoffs for the first time in a while but that's not a team I would want to see um, so yeah I think you got to root for chalk uh, and the other thing you got kind of got to think about should the Eagles advance to the NFC Championship, you you want Minnesota and San Francisco to play and like beat up on each other. Like you don't yep. want you don't want um, San Francisco to get two cupcakes um, by chance, and and maybe maybe not cupcakes, but like I think Minnesota gives them probably the best game. Uh, if if they show up, they could also lose forty to three. But like I want to see San Fran and Minnesota beat up on each other. Uh, and, and I totally agree. You talked about the travel for Dallas. I think if they win Monday night and come to Philly or have to go on the road again, it'll be their fourth week in a row on the road. So that that's gotta that's gotta wear them down at some point. Playing Monday night, and we need we we need revenge for for Christmas Eve. Like we we just need it. Uh, and I think you talked about. I don't know if it was the top of the season. Some previous episode, just the, the NFC's rivalry in the playoffs. We haven't had that in so long, and to have it be the rubber match of the season against our biggest rival in every in any sport in the, in this town, uh, in Philadelphia, it would be fucking electric. So let's let's uh, let's see it shake out with Dallas coming back to town. I would love that. Um, and I don't know if you, you've had a chance to to take a look at the board. Do you have a play? that you like one play that you like you want to give out on that episode and we'll, we'll give some more out over the weekend obviously but anything catch your eye right now i haven't reviewed it nothing's caught my eye but the answer to that is just jacksonville i jacksonville. Mean, just I, I know i i hammered them pretty pretty hard on uh the other night and they didn't they didn't cover the six and a half but th- when they were down i i i did throw some cash on the money line. I did throw some cash, on, uh, you know, getting, getting, I think five. I, I, I just think Peterson's going to win the game. And I think what's the line two, two and a half. They're getting two. I think, I think it's, I think it's down to chargers minus one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you want the point. Great. Uh, it's, there's no ties. So depending upon what the juice is, maybe just put it on the money line. So, uh, yeah, Jags outright. Yeah. I know we just talked about how, how we want Dallas, but I think, I think my, the thing that sticks out to me right now is Tampa Bay grabbing two and a half or three points with Tampa Bay at home. Uh, 
I think it's I think it's two two years running that they've they've smoked Dallas week one. Um, so so I think good matchup for them. They're at home. Uh, can't I mean I I know how ugly it's been for them this year, but like how bad is Dak Prescott and you, you know Brady's gonna try to get something out of himself and that squad uh, for another run as as he just continues to age. So by the, anything by else the you, way, go ahead. We're kind of glossing over just because the Eagles won. What Dallas did on Sunday was one of the most gutless performances in a must-win game I've ever seen in my entire life. Gee, I had I had every parlay known to man with Dallas money line. Jesus Not Christ. Not laying the points. Dallas money line. It was like minus 330, 350. I, you know, I, I gave away money on Sunday. I, I had a couple games parlayed with Detroit outright, and everything hits but Dallas. I mean, Dak Prescott, I think at one point was like 10 for 28. I mean, that guy stinks, dude. He's, yeah, he's no good. Um, but like, I don't know. I don't know if you, if you did the homework or if, if you hold any stake in this, but like they had nothing to play for on Sunday. I don't believe that at all. They, they had the, they had the one seed to play for Philly. True. Philly didn't, True. Philly didn't get up, you know, more than two scores until the end of that game and then tighten at the end. So I, I was watching the, I actually turned, I was watching primarily the Dallas and Redskins game. I wasn't watching. I watched some of the Eagles game when they got up 10, nothing, whatever it was. But then I flipped over. <clears throat> they were playing. There was no like we're resting guys. There was no that like they were playing in the in the off chance that like the Eagles didn't get it done against the Giants. Well, maybe we talked about Detroit and them learning their fate before they had to go play a Lambo Sunday night. Maybe Dallas subconsciously knew like the Eagles were a sixteen and a half point favorite, and like even though they trotted out the starters. They, they, they don't have the, the mental fortitude to actually show up uh, unless they know there's actually something to play for. So maybe maybe it's a, it's an indictment on the character of that football team. Could be. Anything else you, you want to get to tonight or, or leave the people with as we head into Super Wildcard Weekend? Nothing from me, G. We'll say thanks again to our guest, Mr. Ron Robinson. We will thank... Everybody, for listening, wish you a great week and enjoy Super Wildcard Weekend. We'll talk to you next week when we know who the Eagles got. Take care.